0: and belt up. The girl did, and Benjamin gave her the baby. Hold on to her, you hear? The girl nodded, her arms tightening around the bundle, and Benjamin flipped on his siren. She was three, maybe four hours old, the doctor told him. A bit longer in the June heat, and she would have been dead. Benjamin stared at her in the isolette, her new baby skin swollen with dozens of furious, Nickel-sized welts, mosquito bites, black fly, maybe some ant mixed in. She was wired and tubed and taped, and alone. The other babies born within the past forty-eight hours—seven he'd been told—slept with their mothers in private rooms. Her chest rose and fell with the beeps of the heart monitor. He put his hand through the hole in the side of the plexiglass and stroked her arm with two fingers once. Twice, feeling her frailness beneath the downy lanugo. She shrunk away. His hands were cold. Always, lately. Things like this didn't happen in Beck County. Women tossed away infants in other places, faraway places people around these parts heard about on the news but never visited. A New York City dumpster, a Chinese rice paddy not in the weeds at the west end of Hopston's Beef Farm. After Afghanistan, when Benjamin came home to South Dakota, he thought he'd gotten away from things like this, things that caused nightmares. But here they were, following him. God's judgment. A nurse came in. Her purple rubber clog squeaked as she walked. She checked the fluid bag and the intravenous line in the baby's scalp. How's she doing? Benjamin asked. Holding her own, considering. The doctor said they might move her. The nurse nodded. To Sioux Falls. They got an NICU there. Benjamin touched the infant's palm. She closed her fingers around his, and he stared at her shiny, pink fingernails, so small and perfect. He thought of Abby— Of all the times he'd looked at her hand in his own, her pale Scottish, Irish, English, and whatever else skin, ghostly against his India brown. And he wanted to hear her voice, which surprised him almost as much as finding the baby. I'll be back tomorrow, he said, meaning his words for her, but the nurse nodded. In the hospital lobby, he dialed home, one ring, two. Three. Abby's recorded voice said, Hey, we're not here, leave a message. He pressed the receiver against his ear for several seconds, tapped it against his forehead before hanging up. He needed to get back to Temple for the press conference. He carried the evidence bags through the jumble of news vans, cameramen, reporters, and gawkers, and into the courthouse building, The temperature in the sheriff's office felt hotter than outside. Benjamin said so. Probably is. Cooling unit broke this morning, Deputy Al Halbach said. You don't plan to talk to the press looking like that. Benjamin still had on only his undershirt, his armpits yellowed with sweat, his stomach smeared with his dirty handprints and blood. The sleeveless ripped cotton kind, the kind Abby hated. She called them wife beaters told him she saw them and thought of the men who wear those undershirts as outerwear and stand on their front lawn scratching and screaming at their women and children. Just one more thing she never did like about him. Can't we just send a press release? Don't think those piranhas waiting outside would be happy with that, Halbach said. I got an extra shirt if you need it. Might be a tad big. No, I have one. Benjamin wrenched open the bottom drawer of his desk. He grabbed a clean uniform shirt, another undershirt, and his black leather toiletry bag. In the restroom, he stripped off his dirty shirt and balled it under the faucet, drenching it with cold water. He rubbed his bare torso, his neck and head, and slathered deodorant under his arms. The clean shirts felt stiff, unyielding. The dirty undershirt he tossed in the waste can. Where's the boss and Wes, he asked, back at his desk, pinning his name tag on his pocket.